This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or live chat sessions with your therapist, and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Now, as a special offer to surviving narcissism listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash surviving narcissism podcast so join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself now that's better com slash surviving narcissism podcast and thanks again to better help for sponsoring this podcast Welcome to this week's episode of the Surviving Narcissism Podcast. This is Michelle, the Program Director, and I would like to start this episode with a quick introduction. For those of you not familiar with Surviving Narcissism, it is the product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. This week, Dr. C's topic will be the sociopathic narcissist. Let's talk today about a rather difficult subject, and that's going to be the subject, the topic of the sociopathic narcissist. Now, you know that when we talk about narcissism, there are multiple versions of how it can play out. Now, let's keep in mind some of the core ingredients of narcissism itself. When we talk about a narcissist, we're talking about somebody that's completely enamored with themselves. It's like, well, there's me, my thoughts, my feelings. (laughs) That's enough. And they, they, they care so much about who they are that they really don't care about who you are. That's the low empathy. And then taking it further, they have a lot of control issues. They must be in a superior position. They can be manipulative and exploitive. And so it's not that far of a stretch for many of them to cross over the line into sociopathy. Now, let's just kind of establish, not all narcissists are sociopaths, but virtually every sociopath is a narcissist. And by the way, there's another term that we have for sociopath. Uh, and now the the, uh, the correct diagnostic uh, terminology is the antisocial personality disorder. Um, but for the sake of brevity and because so, uh, sociopathy is uh, a much more common word, we're going to use that term, okay? And I, I want to walk you through today 12 very common indicators of the sociopathic way of life because I know that some of you, as you're engaging with these narcissists, realize uh, there's an extra measure of meanness here. There's an extra measure of difficulty that some of these bring to the equation the more you know about what you're up against, the more you know about this personality style, then the better equipped you can be to make your own self-protective adjustments, okay? So let me walk you through some of the primary things that we watch for. I'm going to give you, like I say, 12 uh, things to watch for that lets you know that you're dealing with somebody has, that has a strong sociopathic bent. Now, first and foremost, when we talk about a narcissist who's a sociopath, We're also talking about 
uh, the, a person who has a strongly underdeveloped conscience, okay? With the sociopath, morality is, eh, shall we say, fluid, okay? If uh, being good today means doing A, B, and C, then okay, I'll, I'll do that. If being good tomorrow means rejecting A, B, and C and doing E, F, and G, okay, I'll do that too. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll flow with whatever the situation is in front of them, and morality and ethics are just some, they're basically toys to be played with. And, and it's really interesting. Sometimes sociopaths can be uh, skilled at presenting themselves as being ethical and morally upright and all, when in fact behind the scenes, that's just part of the ruse. And behind the scenes, they, uh, they have all sorts of scorn for uh, rules and regulations. Authority means nothing to them. Rules don't apply to them. Uh, and so even when they're acting good, it's just part of the cover that they have because there's much more beneath the surface that, uh, that actually drives them. Now, in addition, because they have such a, an underdeveloped conscience, number two, we can say that they have no sustained guilt or remorse. Now, I use that word sustain very deliberately. It's not as though uh, they don't have an understanding of right versus wrong. For example, if, uh, if a sociopath hits someone and they realize, ooh, that was a wrong thing and I know I'm going to get in trouble, they can actually say, I, look, I, I know that was wrong. Many of them don't. The, the, when you go farther down into the malignant uh, narcissism and the psychopath, they have no conscience whatsoever. But sometimes the sociopath can say, I, I shouldn't have done that. But then over time, it's like, yeah, that was then, this is now. And so if they do have any kind of guilt or if they recognize that something they might have done was wrong and you want them to have remorse, it's like it doesn't stick. And that being the case, they just don't learn their lessons. Uh, many times you can think, well, if that sociopathic person got caught red-handed telling a lie or being manipulative or uh, keeping uh, very inappropriate secrets, you'd like to think that they would come to the table and say, you know what, it's time for me to get my act together. Healthy people, well, first of all, healthy people tend not to do that kind of stuff. But healthy people, if they are, you know, uh, caught, uh, caught, called out on the carpet and caught red-handed doing some things that are inappropriate, they'll own it and they'll say, you know, I, I've got, I've got to get my act together, and here's what I'm going to do. Narcissists, if they do have any feeling of guilt, uh, it's it's just short-lived. It's all for show, and they're extremely shallow in the way that they might express it. Now, a third way that we can identify the sociopath is that they believe that, that others exist to be used. Sociopaths are in this world for self-gratification only. And uh, they, they, uh, they want to, uh, to have all sorts of experiences that give them the feel-good kind of result. Uh, for example, if, if you develop a friend, uh, on, a, on a healthy basis, it's like, well, I want to get to know you and I want you to get to know me and we can enjoy each other's company. We can tell each other stories. We can experience uh, pleasant uh, interactions with one another and we can uh, get to know each other's uh, friends, etc. When narcissists, I mean, excuse me, when sociopaths get to know other individuals, it's like, hmm, 
what can I get because of my association with you? Uh, now, many times in a social world, they have all sorts of sexual themes that they operate with. It's like, ooh, I would so like to go in that direction with you. And they use sex as a tool. But other times they can uh, get, uh, get close to somebody when in fact, well, I, I think I might be able to make some money with you. Or with someone else, it's like, well, I think I could advance my career because of my association with you, or I can uh, get these kind of favors because of my association with you. They don't just see you as somebody to uh, to engage with as an equal to an equal, where there's this mutual gratification on that uh, personal and emotional front. No, basically, when you're in their life, they see you as a means to an end. Uh, whatever feelings you have and whatever needs you have doesn't really impress them nearly as much as your usefulness or your utility in the moment. They're the consummate users, okay? And, and, and I've spoken with so many people who, once they've gotten away from these sociopathic people, they'll look back and, and say, I, I thought we had something really good going. Uh, this person seemed to be into me, but uh, after all was said and done, I was just someone that they were toying with because they wanted something else that they thought that I could provide. And it can be so, so disillusioning when you arrive at that kind of conclusion. Now, a fourth ingredient that goes into the making of the sociopath, and this comes as no surprise to anyone, and that is sociopaths are driven by their anger. And maybe we can even go a little bit further and we can say they're identified by their anger. They're identified by their lack of conscience and their lack of morality, but then that leads to uh, this anger issue. Let's just pause and recognize that Anger in and of itself is not a wrong emotion. There, there are some times when, uh, when things happen in our world and it does frustrate you. It ticks you off. It annoys you, and rightly so. Uh, sociopaths, though, when they feel angry, it's, um, it's an indication that they see life as a competition. And by that, I mean they want to, to one-up you. They want to be superior. And uh, if you don't acquiesce immediately, they're going to just prove to you how superior they are. By the way, uh, being competitive in and of itself is not a wrong thing. I mean, I like sports and you know things like that, but we're not talking about that kind of competition. We're talking about them uh, trying to make themselves the winner and you the loser. And as a result, they're, uh, they're known for their hostility. They're known for their aggression. It, 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 the way they approach life, the way they approach conflicts is, you will listen to me. You will regret disagreeing from uh, with me. You will pay when you don't uh, do what I say you need to do. And so anger is one of their most uh, prominent characteristics. They can use threats. They can be abusive. They can um, uh, give uh, punitive stonewalling. They can uh, uh, treat you with derision. Contempt is something that's very common with these individuals. Doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? Now, taking it to a fifth ingredient or a fifth indicator of sociopathy, with the things that I've mentioned so far, it would come as no surprise to say that they will routinely motivate via fear. Um, they, uh, it's obvious they're un unable to reason with you, but they take it a little bit further. They, they want you to be afraid of them. 
They, in fact, let, let's, uh, let's state that stronger. They really think that it means that they're a somebody when other people quake in their boots when that person shows up. It's like, yeah, look at how tough I am. Look at how strong I am. And so they they want you to feel that uh, that if you do something wrong, it is going to be curtains for you. And so they'll routinely make threats. Uh, they uh, they have no problem whatsoever uh, taking things that they have learned about you and then using it against you. And so you have this walking on eggshells feeling whenever you're around that person. And in their own demented way of thinking, that sociopath can think, you see, when I enter into the room, people, they, they respect me. It's like, no, they don't respect you. It's like they don't want to have to deal with all of your derisive kinds of uh, ways of treating them. But they interpret it as respect because, again, they, they don't really have a, a strong understanding of morality and their conscience and all the rest that goes with that. Now, a sixth way that you can identify that sociopath is that they relate with you and other individuals as either friend or foe. You're either with me or you're uh, against me. And they make little room for diversity. Uh, they don't attempt to understand uh, other individuals and who they are and how they think and how they arrived at the, their station in life as they, uh, as they did. In the sociopath's mind, there is no empathy. You know, when, when you and I have differences, uh, I, I wish that I could say, eh, maybe this isn't uh, even a true statement, but wouldn't it be nice sometimes we think if everybody in my family thought the same as me? Well, actually, no, I'm glad that my wife or my kids or grandkids or uh, extended family members don't always agree with me because... I'm not so brilliant. I'm not so smart that I know anything and everything. Uh, it's it's good to actually say we differ. And in our differences, we can actually cause each other to stretch and grow. And that's something that narcissists simply don't have. They don't think that way. There's not the, the humility of mind that they would carry with them. Uh, it's all about arrogance. It's all about egotism. And I've, I, again, I've had so many people talk to me about how uh, they, uh, with that sociopathic person in their life, they've uh, spoken with them. It's like, man, all I have to do is say one thing that's slightly different from that person, and here they come. They're, it's like, why are you against me? Why are you making my life miserable? And so they make themselves out to be the victim. I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One is entitled Ready, Set, Connect. Now, narcissists are quite capable of throwing you off balance, so this course keeps you focused on the skills and the mindset that are necessary for positive connections. And inside the course, uh, we have various modules, that, and in, inside each module are uh, lessons, and each lesson contains a video, uh, written documents, and then questions that go along with it. We'll discuss things like how to have good conflict resolution skills, building empathy, how to be the authentic self that you need to be. If you're interested in enrolling, you can go to our uh, website, survivingnarcissism.tv, click the link for courses. You'll find Ready, Set, Connect there as well as the others. I hope that you would find them to be quite helpful. And now, back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter.
Now, a seventh thing that we can say that identifies the sociopathic mindset is that they like to play you off of others. Um, give you an illustration. I'm, I'm sure that you have uh, members in your family or coworkers or friends, and you see that they interact well with other individuals too. And it's like, you know, I, I like knowing that you have friendships or you have alliances with other people because, you know, that I'm sure that brings uh, great uh, joy or contentment or goodness into your life. Let me know about who the, uh, the other people are in your life, and I'd like to know them as well. That's the way healthy people do it. The, the sociopath, it's like, no, I have to be the dominant person here, you see. And if you have allegiances or alliances with other individuals, well, how do I know that that's going to work out well for me? And so they want to control the way that you think toward other individuals. They want to control the way other people think about you. And so they'll do this whisper campaign or this smear campaign. For example, if you have an affinity for a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a coworker, the sociopath and say, well, you know, uh, they're just nothing but a liar because they've done this, that, and the other, and they, they have no problem doing gossip or they have no problem doing the, the smear campaign or, or <clears throat> taking something that, uh, that they learned about that person from 25 years ago that's way out of their uh, realm of, of influence or um, relevance even now, but they'll use that against them. I mean, they're, they have no problem whatsoever letting you know you don't need to be around those other individuals. And then if other individuals want to have too much of a closeness to you, they can go behind your back and let them know, um, look, you may think that this person right here is a really good person, but uh, let me just tell you, do yourself a favor and don't hang around with them. They, They like to do this image control kind of thing. Obviously, they're into their own image, but they want to control uh, how other people see you and how you people uh, you see them, and so they chronically use this uh, triangulation, playing one person off of another, or they use smear campaigns, or they call into question somebody's positive traits and try to put uh, doubt on the inside. Of course, there's a, a lot of gaslighting that goes along with that, and so that can be a very common thing that they do. Now, in addition, an eighth ingredient that we can say that's part of the sociopathic mindset is uh, they will openly scorn tenderness or goodness, and they they actually see gentleness or tenderness as a sign of weakness. And they can mock people who like to go along and just do kind and gentle and self-sacrificing things towards others. Uh, and I, I find that to be so interesting. You know, to me, gentleness is indeed strength. And when one person is able to enter into a space of kindness and tenderness, then ultimately uh, they show that, that they get the essence of goodness in life. Whereas the uh, the sociopath is just over there rolling their eyes thinking, you know, if everybody was sweet and friendly and kind, you know, what would this world be like? You know, you, you need people like, like me who know, know how to tell folks what to do. And they actually can, can see gentleness and tenderness and kindness as something that's maybe for preschool kids or uh, grade school kids, but that's it. Toughness is what they they're after, and it's so sad to to look at that because you know in their mind uh, you have a real good take on life when you can steamroll people. 
And it just doesn't dawn on them that uh, this kind of goodness is something to be um, valued. They just see it as being something that indicates weakness. Now, a ninth characteristic that we can say uh, is that uh, sociopaths can, even though they, uh, they scorn weak characteristics, they can impersonate feelings. Now, what I mean by that is uh, they are the ultimate manipulators. And so uh, there are times when a, a sociopath can imply that they are interested in you. For example, if you say things like, I had a visit with my um, relative over here and that person's really struggling there and they found out that they had this kind of illness or they had this kind of loss, the sociopath can say, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And they can actually say that, but in their mind, it's like, hey, look, if I got to say stuff like that to get you on the inside circle with me so that I can stay dominant, I'll do it for a while, but they don't mean it. And so they can give the, uh, the impression, because they are chameleons, that they may have that tenderness that I just mentioned that they don't really have. But in, uh, in the long run, it's an act. <laughs> it's just them engaging with you in a game. And so when they imply that they're into you, again, let's keep in mind, they're into what they think you can do for them. And if they have to show interest or helpfulness for a while, it's all part of the ruse because ultimately uh, the name of the game for them is that they want to use you for whatever thing that you're, you would be utile for. It's pretty sad to think that people think that way. Now, a tenth element that goes along with the sociopath is they actually like to collect people around them as enablers. Um, they uh, let's let's keep in mind they have this huge ego, and actually it's nothing more than a compensation for a, a deep sense of weakness on the inside. But they have this huge ego, and they want to make sure that other people give loyalty to them because they they build themselves up at someone else's expense. And so if someone comes along and says, oh yes, I think you're wonderful and I think you make sense, or I'm gonna have to turn to you to be the decision maker in my life, then in their minds, they're thinking, oh, <laughs> I win, I I've arrived. Uh, people really need me to, uh, to, to be the, the ultimate decision maker. And they love it when they can turn their children, for example, into mini me's or if they're at work, then uh, they really like it when uh, they have yes people around them there or in social uh, settings. They like to have people, they like to collect people who are going to be their yes people there. Now, uh, you've heard us talk about flying monkeys. Uh, this is kind of a case uh, where that comes into play. A flying monkey, you know, going back to the Wizard of Oz, is uh, someone that does the bidding of the Wicked Witch of the West and uh, just doesn't ask questions, just does what the big chief says. And uh, sociopaths really like it when they can collect their flying monkeys around them. Now, an 11th way that you can detect the sociopathic uh, narcissist is they're known for their unwillingness to negotiate. Given the fact that they have such an inflated ego and they have uh, such a, uh, a lack of morality, in their minds, there's, there's just one person's opinion who matters, and it certainly isn't going to be yours. And so they, they actually believe that uh, in their own exclusivity, it's like, well, there's just some people in this world that are special. 
I mean, take a look at me, for example. <laughs> and that's how they think. And, and, and as a result, when you come along and say, well, I have a different thought. Or I know that this is important to you, but the such and such is important to me. Let's see if we can blend all that together. It's like, no, I don't do that. They don't blend. They don't negotiate. They don't coordinate. They don't collaborate. It's all unilateral. This is who I am. This is what I declare. This is what I say needs to be done. And then keeping in mind, they go back to that anger and their uh, motivation by uh, fear and, and intimidation. Uh, you can't get through to them. And then let's just um, add a 12th ingredient here. And this kind of summarizes everything that I'm saying about the sociopath. And we're going to say that the sociopath um, uh, has a mindset where dominance and the need for dominance overrides love. A while back, I did a, a video on my YouTube channel, and it's called A New Way of Defining Narcissism. And plain and simple, the way you can define narcissism is you can look for the absence of love. Narcissists have an absence of love. And then when we add to it that sociopathic mindset and, and all the rest, that just becomes all the more dominant in the way that they do things. They have no conception of the fact that goodness and love, as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, really is the hallmark of a, of a life well-lived. Uh, now, sociopaths can be uh, known for their uh, lusts, and they like limerence. You know what limerence is? Uh, 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 limerence means that you're enthralled by infatuated feelings, or you're in love with being in love, and they, they, they like having experiences where there's this wonderful adoration, but of course, when that wears off, here comes the anger and all like that, and you realize you were just being used. They don't understand the nature of love at all. Okay, so those are 12 ways that we can identify the sociopathic narcissist. And, and when you uh, hear these um, uh, spelled out like this, it's like, ooh, this is not a good way to do life at all. And uh, if you're associated with people who have this strong narcissist, uh, uh, sociopathic bent, my heart goes out to you. And I'm just going to let you know straight up, I, I, I want to be an optimist in the way that I deal with people. I mean, that's why I got into the whole field of therapy. I want to help people find themselves and understand what uh, cleanness and balanced living is all about. But there are some people in this world that are just beyond that kind of redemption. And the the uh, the sociopath is one of those kind of people. Their, their, their uh, lack of conscience is so pronounced that it requires a conscience in order to uh, to make some adjustments, and it's just not in there. And then in addition, humility is part of the learning process. Uh, a person who's learning needs to start with the notion that says, I don't know everything or I'm a work in progress, or the world doesn't revolve around me. And not only do I accept that, but I also embrace the fact that, uh, that I'm always going to be in a growth process. Sociopaths can't think that way to save their lives. So that being the case, if you're going to try to argue with that sociopath and get them to uh, act differently and, and approach life differently, you're going to have better luck if you just go find a brick wall and bang your head against it. And, and, and you, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the old headache kind of thing. Sociopaths won't receive input. That being the case, you want to pull way back. 
if you have to have any kind of interaction with them, uh, keep it as functional as you can and, and go no further. But uh, keep in mind that sociopaths constantly are watching you to see how they can use you. And then if they don't uh, get your, uh, if you don't give them the usefulness, then they're out to destroy you. And so frankly, if, you, if the option exists, you want to get away from them altogether. So I hope that by understanding what this particular brand of narcissism looks like and how it plays out, it can give you that knowledge and that awareness that can cause you to think, you know, I, I need to be vigilant. I need to be tuned in enough so that if somebody in my world is giving me trouble and it just seems to keep coming and it won't quit, I, I need to know what I'm up against so that I can practice my own self-care. The sociopath certainly isn't going to practice any care toward you, so that's going to have to come from within. So here we have yet another way of describing this whole phenomenon of narcissism as it goes into this kind of direction. As we continue to go on, I'm going to be talking with you about other brands, if you will, of narcissism. Uh, I hope this gives you some good things to think about, and, and I do hope that as you uh, learn and you understand and you devote yourself to, uh, to knowing what human nature is all about and how you can be that better alternative, I hope that you're going to be able to find peace. I truly want you to have peace. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Surviving Narcissism. We are glad to have you on Team Healthy. Bye. <laughs>